Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. The secret is to recruit people that are better than you in their own specific areas and they will be, for that reason, better than you. It's easy to say, but it is perhaps hard to do in, in practice, but I think that's one of the secrets to being a great leader. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Andrew Busby. Andrew's the co-founder of SafePrem Solutions, the world's first platform that enables businesses to access solutions to ensure that their premises are kept safe and secure from all viruses and bacteria. Andrew's a retail writer, former Forbes contributor, IBM futurist and author of the book Harry Was Right All Along. Andrew's one of the most high-profile in-demand figures in retail and regularly features in the top 10 lists of global retail influencers. Andrew joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Andrew. It's great to have you with us. Good afternoon and thanks very much. It's great to be here, Amy. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for your time. So can you tell us a little bit about SafePrem, your organisation, what it stands for and what you're working towards, please? SafePrem uh, is a company that uh, I founded with um, my business partner, um, two of us uh, last year. It was born out of the pandemic, really. And the the seed of it was sown probably around about March, April time last year if we can cast our minds back to those Mm -hmm. dark days of uh, the first of many lockdowns. Um, And I was introduced to a company uh, who were, they had pivoted towards uh, producing traffic light systems for store occupancy, which probably most of us now have become familiar Mm -hmm. with. Not all retailers by a long way use them, but quite a few do. Then was introduced to one or two other companies that were also uh, manufacturing um, and producing solutions which helped to make uh, particularly retail premises safer from the virus. Now, I'm not referring here to PPE or perspex screens or that sort of thing. We've kind of left those alone. But anyway, the the companies I was introduced to, um, it then kind of dawned on me that, well, why don't we curate these? Um, in other words, bring them all together because some of the um, feedback that um, I had at that time was that businesses who wanted to make their premises safer for people mm-hmm. uh, weren't sure where to go. So it was kind of like, yes, they knew where to go to get hand sanitizer and, yeah. um, and so on and so forth and those sorts of things. But for some of these other measures, they, they didn't know. So that was when the idea for um, a directory uh, uh, was was born. And that directory now has nearly 150 uh, different solutions providers on it. Mm -hmm. Um, We uh, have been building the the proposition um, since then. A lot of work has gone into the proposition, signing up partners, uh, and and what we've done is uh, we've trademarked uh, the name and we um, have 
invited other organisations to, and, and are constantly inviting other organisations to uh, to join. So what we realised was that whilst people's attitudes um, have probably irreversibly changed mm-hmm. uh, towards uh, cleanliness and hygiene yeah. and uh, the virus, uh, what actually is happening for retailers is that their physical premises to get us back there because an awful lot of us are still quite anxious mm-hmm. and um, uh, about going back into um, shops and enclosed spaces. So to get us back there, they need to digitally level up with uh, their online counterparts. Yeah. Um, so what we're seeing, and we, we took another look at our safe prem directory and realized that an awful lot of the uh, solutions providers and partners that are on the directory actually are providing what we now call smart solutions mm-hmm. for uh, for retail. So I'm thinking of things like um, online booking and appointments apps. I'm okay. thinking of things like uh, live stream commerce, live streaming from the store to okay. either one-to-one or one-to-many, usually one-to-many, which has really taken off, uh, funnily enough, in China huh. um, with people like Alibaba who are, okay. who are using that. And there's countless others, and we we could we could look at um, smart mirrors, smart fitting mm-hmm. rooms. So, in other words, we don't want to necessarily have that same touch and feel that we used to. Yeah. So yeah. there'll be different um, payments um, apps. I saw the other day uh, a Tesco um, store. Um, I think it was it was um, North London. Uh, and they were saying that they were trying to keep themselves safer by not accepting cash. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a debate there to be had about that, obviously, but yeah. but it yeah. just shows the direction of travel uh-huh. of where they're going. So as far as Safe Prem, um, what we stand for, yes, it's a commercial organisation. However, we uh, give back 50% of all our revenue in retail uh, and hospitality to uh, in retail, uh, the um, retail trust, okay. and in hospitality, hospitality, hospitality action charities. So, yes, we're a commercial organisation, but we're also we we like to think of ourselves as a little bit of uh, a movement, mm-hmm. um, because ultimately, what we're trying to do, and this is where it doesn't apply just to retail and hospitality, what we're trying to do is to help to enable businesses of all types to get back, um, you know, we hear so many, uh, particularly from hospitality, that it's very, very tough and they need the social distancing uh, restrictions to be lifted to allow them to get back the sort of customer uh, numbers that they need to to make any sort of profit. Mm -hmm. And so we're really trying to support those businesses, but businesses of all types, so they can get back safely um, and... um, yeah, not necessarily get back to where we used to be either, no, because we yeah. think that it's going to be a new place that people are going to going to be, uh, and we think that um, yeah, that there are going to be new solutions which um, certainly within retail um, have been talked about for uh, a good number of years. So most of the trends that we're now seeing. Uh, had all been discussed for years, but they've just been massively, massively accelerated by the pandemic. I think the only new um, uh, trend, which I don't think anybody really predicted, was working from home. 
Okay, yeah. And the implications of that. Uh, and of course, that, that's a topic, I think, it probably is in its own right, um, yeah, because there are massive implications for, uh, again, particularly retail and hospitality, but all sorts of other areas, travel and, and offices and so on and so forth. Um, so as I say, <clears throat> probably a subject in its own right, but something that affects all, well, not all of us, but a, lot, you know, a percentage of us who are fortunate that we can work from home. Yeah. Um, and it will change the, uh, the working environment. Long answer to your question, about the, but, the, but that's kind of that safe prem. And um, where we are at the moment, um, we're just entering our first um, funding round. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're looking to, uh, uh, to raise funds, which uh, we need for recruitment mm-hmm. um, and marketing uh, and uh, some, uh, uh, some tech, but mostly the, uh, the former. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times. Fantastic. And so as a leader of that type of organisation at that stage in its life cycle, what kind of challenges are you up against or what are the key challenges that you're up against at the moment as a leader? I think looking at um, external factors, so given what I've just described in terms of the business, and, and we'll keep it at the moment to the, uh, the safer, if you like, um, part, part of the, uh, the, the business, there is a lot of um, education, which is still needed. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, particularly on social media, there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation about COVID. I'm uh, one of those people who has felt it uh, uh, my uh, obligation to spend hours and hours researching uh, the topic. it, It is quite interesting because if you look back over time, uh, there's been, you know, scientists don't necessarily agree at any particular point in time. There's been a lot of learning about COVID, a lot of learning about um, how it is transmitted, mm-hmm. which directly affects uh, what we are seeing today in terms of social yeah. distancing and wearing face covering and so on and so forth. Um, but now it's generally accepted that it is primarily uh, transmitted um, airborne uh, through uh, tiny, tiny, tiny particles, which we all emit whilst we're breathing, let alone speaking. Yeah. Um, and they can hang, depending on the circumstances and the situation, they can hang in the air for up to three hours after uh, a potentially infected person has left the room. Wow. Um, so we're learning all the time about it. And um, one of the frustration probably wouldn't be quite right but certainly one of the challenges that we've got is that people still feel that having whether it be in their in their pub or restaurant or shop or whatever having a one-way system and um uh, some hand sanitizer at the door somehow makes the premises safe mm-hmm. um which simply isn't true yet they don't do any harm uh, and yes they do do some good but um, and I'm saying all this not as an epidemiologist, but as somebody who's taken you know, um, quite an interest in, in the topic because it relates to, to the business. So that, I would say, as an external factor, you know, is one of the, uh, the biggest challenges. I think in terms of um, uh, being a co-founder yeah. of uh, the, the business, it, it's quite interesting seeing how uh, myself and my co-founder, who also has a, a very strong retail um, background. Um, Pat was uh, 
senior director of places like Debenhams and Arcadia and mm. so forth, which I always make sure I pull his leg about in terms of, oh, okay, so there's a trend appearing here, isn't there? You know, <laughs> uh, I think Claire's accessories might have been another one. And any other failed retailer you care to mention there. But I think, yes, he did spend time at Woolworths as well. So, right. Pat Kelly, if you're listening to this, I've given you the name check that you wanted. Um, <laughs> but, no, the, going back to the challenges, it's fascinating how our, our relationship, because we've been connected on LinkedIn before all this, uh-huh. realised that a lot of our thinking was aligned. Yeah. But, obviously, when you're starting a business, there is going to be a certain element of friction. And both of us are, I think, of a particular sort um that we're quite strong-willed uh and you know you you like to get your own way and inevitably Mm -hmm. that will from time to time but um i think there the 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 strength of it in this particular situation i found is that we whether we agree or not on certain things we both respect each other's yeah. opinion and point of view. And I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a quality, which I know we'll come on to a bit later, about um, what makes a, a good leader, mm-hmm. the, you know, an empathy. And, and as I say, I, I'm, I know we'll come on to that a, a little bit later. But, that, yeah, from time to time, that, that's been a challenge. But um, each time we've talked it through um, almost, yes, exclusively, uh, on a video call like we, yeah. you and I are doing now. Um, and you know, I guess we've all got used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that in itself, again, has probably been within the uh, the lifespan of SafePrem, which was born in a COVID era, if you like. Yeah, um, yeah there are certain conversations which you do need to have face-to-face mm-hmm. to pick up on all the body language. And so that's been a, a, a bit of a challenge. And I'm not saying it has, but I I know that it can sometimes lead to a little bit of miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, I think we're all, uh, you know, as a nation, we've almost overnight been digitally educated to, you know, the same minimum level. And that means that whether it's Zoom or Teams or Google Meets or whatever other flavour, then we've all got, um, we all got used to that and we collaborate in slightly in slightly different ways. So yeah. I think, you know, that, that is a challenge which we wouldn't have foreseen, if, if you like, and, and wouldn't mm-hmm. have been one um, pre-pandemic, but it's great for the time management because, yeah. you know, there, there's, you know, I don't know about you, but um, when I think of the amount of time that I used to spend commuting, yes. and I'm sure each, every one of us has thought about that, mm-hmm. I don't think we'll go back to uh, to that. Um, I don't think yeah, so. That, that, that I think will be seen as, you know, what on earth were we thinking you know, to spend hours on a crowded train only then to get on if it's London to yeah. an even more crowded underground train. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's, and that's a societal thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's changing society. It's not just work. It, it's, uh, it's changing society. Absolutely. But um, yeah, those, those are some of the challenges that, uh, that spring to mind. Brilliant. Thank you. And in terms of your leadership career then, how did that come about? Was that something that had you always set your sights on sort of the CEO role or did that happen quite organically because you were passionate about the organisations you worked in or founded? I think I fell into it probably like a lot of people that, you know, I didn't, 
wake up one morning and think, right, I want to be a, a, a CEO at all. I mean, the the leadership is quite interesting. Is I mean, I, I guess my leadership journey started um, many years ago, actually pre-retail days. So I spent um, a good number of years with Barclays, mm-hmm. and I was uh, uh, within their IT operations and services in, in the UK. And then yeah. the last few years was, uh, when I was with them, uh, I was posted, I was fortunate enough to be posted to uh, the Bahamas. And I ran uh, the IT operations for a data center there. And that was, it was a centralized operation for the whole of the Caribbean. And, and at that time, Barclays was running primarily offshore banking services across uh, uh, the, the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that not just because it was the Bahamas and it was a great, it was a great life, but it, but it was yeah. very hard work. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of parachuted in to a situation where there were not just local Bahamians who felt that one of them should have got the job. There were others recruited from across the Caribbean islands Mm -hmm. because we wanted it to be very inclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was probably really my first proper leadership role where I needed to bring a new team together uh, from different nations across the Caribbean people who probably resented the fact that I was there in the first place, a lot of different cultural experiences yeah. and so on and so forth. And, but that, that was great. And, and I learned an awful lot uh, from that. Um, and the, the next role, which has actually um, started me and, and I'm going back now to 1999. So over 20 years ago, uh, I moved back from there uh, and joined Kingfisher and, and ran um, IT operations for Superdrug, which in those days was part of the Kingfisher Group, okay. along with people like uh, Comet and Woolworths, yeah, uh, and so forth. And again, that that was uh, another step in the learning, bringing a team together and having to you know, build a, a common goal, which was providing you know the 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 right levels of service to to the business from a lot yeah. of different IT operations, and in some cases quite quite difficult to uh, to do that. So that that was, um, and then kind of took um, the next twelve years out because it was a business development career, uh, okay. and and then um, before Safeprem, I founded uh, Retail Reflections, which is a retail analyst, and um, uh, you know we comment and write and speak uh, about um, retail, yeah. uh, just myself and my and my partner uh, mm-hmm. in that. Um, but even with a small boutique company like that you still need to set the goals and the direction and the objectives and so on and so forth you know, and um, all the things that you know any business of any size would would need to do mm-hmm. um, and then um, and then of course uh, yeah just over a year ago now for about 16 17 months safe yeah. was um, uh, the idea came about and we uh, became a limited company in um, August last year um, at the moment, myself and my business partner, but things will change rapidly uh, once we start recruiting. Um, and I'm expecting that um, you know those things that I've learned uh, all those years ago, uh, some of those I'm going to need to call on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you talked about empathy earlier on in the call as a, a characteristic that was key to be a, a good leader. Is there anything else that you think is a common denominator across great leaders or other characteristics that you think a good leader needs? Yeah, one, and leading on from empathy, one thing that 
is going to be, for me personally, impossible to do, and that's um, to be female. Um, so what I mean by that is, uh, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll link it to the retail sector, because okay. sadly, there are very, very few female leaders within retail. Okay. Uh, and why I pick that out is that generally, I think men, um, and this isn't obviously a gender debate or anything like that, so, uh, but generally men are quite competitive and egotistic. Women are empathetic um, and have and and they have a far better instinct. Okay. And and I think from from that point of view, that that's and um, you know some of the leaders that I've admired um, have been women, and I think it's for that reason. When when I kind of sit down and think about that and reflect on that, mm. it's because they have those qualities, and I think too many times these days. People associate things like being empathetic um, and calm mm -hmm. and a, a more gentle outlook as somehow being weak, which, of course, they're not. That's a strength. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I admire that and, and I look up to, uh, uh, to that. I think generally... Um, Men in leadership, not all, obviously. This, this is, but, but in an awful lot of cases that I've personally witnessed, okay. um, yeah, men will be far more combative. Yeah, men will take a slightly different route. I think because of the the innate competitive um, instincts that um, uh, that men have. Now, uh, one exa good example, I think, of that that very recently appeared was with um, Brewdog. Okay. So I don't know if you saw, but Brewdog had a fantastic reputation. You know, their, their leadership team, you know, they, they seem inspirational and so on and so forth. Well, as we've now learned from quite a number of ex-employees, it wasn't quite like that internally. And actually what they were saying was that there was a, a, a culture of, you know, um, not fear, I think that, that's too wrong a word, but it certainly is incredibly competitive, all based on the bottom line and growth. And... Okay. A lot of that, for me, seems to come down to the business of being in business, and I think that's changing. So, but, but to go back to you know your question, I, I think that yeah, we talk about empathy, being inspiring. A leader needs to to motivate their team. They need to bring their team together. They need to lead. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen there are a lot of examples of the differences between a leader and a boss. Yes. Yeah, and a leader very much leads by example. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's very important. I think the other one that I would, I would add to that, because there, there are so many qualities that I think a great leader needs to have, um, but to be a, a very effective uh, communicator mm -hmm. and to do it in the right way. So communication isn't uh, issuing directives. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is where an awful lot of leaders... Uh, have they get to that position of being a leader and they've been used to controlling things mm -hmm. and making decisions on their own and doing things on their own and saying, right, this is the road that we're going to go down because I say so. And then when it, the business gets bigger and bigger and they get more people around them, mm -hmm. they they begin to wonder, well, if, I, if I'm not clear and, and, and don't set out the agenda – perhaps I'll be perceived as being indecisive, whereas the strength 
is to take all the opinions and views and so forth of the team um, on board and then make the decision based on that. One of the things that uh, one of my um, passions is um, motor racing. Okay. And um, years ago, in in the late sixties and seventies, there was a Scottish racing driver called Jackie Stewart, Sir Jackie Stewart, mm-hmm. and he won the world championship three times. And the thing that he used to say about being a, a leader, leading a team, was the secret is to recruit people that are better than you yeah, in their own specific areas. You, you need to recruit people who are the best that you can get in their own particular areas, and they will be for that reason better yeah. than you. And that's the whole. And I think that that's you know I've taken that um, with me certainly. And, and I think there's it's easy to say, but it is perhaps hard to do in in practice. But I think that's one of the secrets to being a great leader. Absolutely, absolutely. And in part, I guess you've answered my next question because I was going to ask if there was a piece of advice or um, an experience that you've had that shaped your leadership style. I think yeah, I, I think it's trusting your instinct. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that's age uh uh with me and whether that applies um when you're younger perhaps it 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 does and you know i'll be perfectly um you know if i had somebody in the team who was 21 22 um uh and their instinct was whatever it happened to be then you would certainly um, listen to that but i think you know there are so many times both in professional and personal life where after the event after the decision has been taken Mm-hmm. whether it proves ultimately to be the right one or the wrong one, I go back and reflect on that and then realise, mm, yeah, my, my gut instinct, my gut feel yeah. was actually pretty close to the mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that, again, because we're all different, we're different colours, aren't we? You know, the personality traits, we're red or yeah. green or blue or whatever. And yeah. And for people who... I think it's red, but I could be wrong. But there are, you know, people who live by data and numbers and spreadsheets mm-hmm. would probably find that difficult because they need the empirical evidence yeah. to be able yeah. to do that. And I know that I'm not that. I, you know, if you want to get an idea or a, a concept over to me, give me a PowerPoint, but please don't make it too long. Yeah, yes. don't show me a spreadsheet. But for other people, it's it's a reverse. And again, that's you know, it's great that we're all different. And uh, you know, wouldn't the world be boring if we were all exactly the same? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I would say that would be it. Trust trust your instinct. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that going back to your your um, point, recognizing those differences in the people in the team as well is is absolutely paramount. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just a, a quick comment on that, which is one thing that I'll be facing very soon with SafeBrem, and I mentioned recruitment. Mm-hmm. I know that one of the uh, types of people that we need is somebody who's incredibly good uh, digitally. So that could be web development or it could be um, search engine optimization and, and a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that person is probably going to be in their early to mid-20s okay. and they will be able to run rings around me you know, when it comes to their specific field. Yeah. And that's great. And I, and I want them that's what uh, want. to, if, uh, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, my role is going, to, is going to change because it's going to be one of giving not the doing of it, but the direction of yeah. it and, and so on and so forth and, and giving the means for them to be able to. But, um, yeah, that, that's, it's a bit like I, 
within, again, a, a retail context. Um, and we know how fast retail is developing. Uh, mobile commerce, you know, doing your shopping or your whatever, using apps from your mobile phone. Yeah. Um, and we look at some of the, you know, those, um, all joking aside, but sadly, you know, some of those retailers that have failed, and it's sad because people lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you... You look at some of the leaders um, today and they are probably going to be people like me. In other words, middle-aged, white, Caucasian males. And there's one thing that people like me can understand intellectually, and that's how a 21-year-old goes about shopping my brand, Mm -hmm. but emotionally, never in a million Sundays. Is it going to, uh, in other words, it, it you know, for me, uh, the qualities within the team and the quality that a leader needs to understand, particularly now when the world is moving so rapidly and change is happening so quickly, is to realize that they don't know everything. Yeah. yeah. And that there are other people out there who do know far more within their particular field. And that more, probably more so than ever before, those ideas have got to be, you know, given the, you know, the, given airtime, if you like, to be heard and uh-huh. listened to. Um, so, and, and again, that probably comes down to trusting your instinct with the, that particular person that you've recruited actually knows what they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's real power in diversity as well, isn't there? In terms yes. Of- when when you're recruiting, you're bringing those people into the team, like you say, people with different perspectives from different backgrounds, neurodivergent as well as you know the traditional. Oh, uh, totally, yeah. And I think that that's probably something that you know a lot of organisations are, are still working through. We we talk, I know, an awful lot about diversity, quite rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there's still quite a way to go on on that. And and yeah, it, it's just realising that as, as a leader. There are other people out there with completely different perspectives that actually are probably, in many cases, perhaps a better perspective than your own. Okay. And and so in terms of advice that you would offer to someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps, so either they were just at the point where they were going to step up into a leadership role or maybe they were starting their own enterprise and would therefore become the leader of that organisation, what advice might you offer them? Do it. Again, follow your instinct. Um, don't be, you know, don't be afraid. But as a lot of people in in much larger, running much larger organisations than I would, would when I've spoken to uh, quite a few of them, mm-hmm. you know, they'll tell you that it's quite a lonely place, mm-hmm. um, uh, which uh, you know is something that others outside of that probably wouldn't um, at first realise that yeah. you know when when you are in in uh, in that position, but. I would say that, yeah, you know, follow what you, uh, it's kind of uh, the mind and, and, and the heart and, and, and so forth. But I think that, yeah, if it's a passion, mm-hmm. then, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's probably a lot of it. I mean, for me, retail is a passion. Yeah. Uh, what I'm doing at, at SafeFrame is, is a passion. Uh, and um, if it is, is that, then it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you've got... A great idea, um, then, yeah. But equally, go into it with your eyes open. I mean, I'm I'm learning all the, all the time, mm-hmm. um, and we're all learning all the time. 
yeah, yeah. You know, new new things that uh, you know I for example haven't been through a seed funding round my you know simply in my background that hasn't happened so I'm learning what you know what it means to do that uh-huh. um, but um, no I, I would say you know you know follow what your instinct tells you and if it's a real passion for something then absolutely and I think to be fair there's um, you know, if we look at the current, I'll, I'll refer to them as millennial and Gen Z. Um, but if we look at, you know, 20 to 30 year olds, I think they do have a different attitude to this sort of thing than people of my age did 30 years ago. I think they are far more entrepreneurial and I think they have, you know, far more great ideas and they're not necessarily afraid to take a bit of a risk you know, in my era, the baby boomer era, it was kind of well, you um, you get a job and you you know that could be in the bank or whatever. I, you know, still remember those careers evenings and what have you. And you get a job and it might even be for life. And yeah. you you know you buy a house and you have your you know your wife, your husband, your two children, your dog, and you know it, it was kind of laid out in front of you like that. None of that necessarily today, which I think is a great, you know, it's an exciting thing. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I think that is probably um, healthier. Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant. And, and thinking about the leaders that you admire then, is there one in particular that stands out that you particularly admire? And if so, why? Mm. Well, I've, I've um, probably like all the questions so far, I, I'm not going to answer, uh, I'm not going to answer it um, exactly how it's been asked. <laughs> so, okay. I know I picked out two um, mm-hmm. and, and I'll explain why for different reasons. One, who's no longer with us. So again, within a retail context, um, we're all familiar with Selfridges mm-hmm. in London. They have stores elsewhere, but the main one's London and the founder, which is Harry Selfridge. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I, uh, the book that I wrote uh, a couple of years ago, I call it uh, Harry. Harry was right all along. Yeah. <clears throat> Harry was right all along mm-hmm. because his um, his view of what Selfridges uh, should be and what it um, meant for his audience, for his customers, was if you go back and read some of the things that he was saying over a hundred years ago is absolutely inspirational and you know we need people like him around today mm-hmm. um and and so he created something there f- for um his customers and, and he said things like well if they come and, and they don't buy and he referred to them as guests in in you know that same building on oxford street um near marble arch mm-hmm. um and and he says, if they don't buy on that occasion, that doesn't matter. But we are going to give them such a great experience that perhaps they'll come back and the next time they will buy something. Yeah. And things like that. And I think from that point of view, I still find him inspirational. The other leader, um, somebody who I have had the pleasure to work for, and she's now chair and has been for a few years of um, Tech UK, uh, somebody called Jacqueline DeRocus. Okay. And Jacqueline, Cow, I was working in a uh, business development role at a company, an American software company called uh, Computer Associates. Mm-hmm. And she came in as the country head for the UK. And in a predominantly male-dominated environment, and you know, we've heard my views on, on, on that uh, earlier, she injected all those qualities that I was discussing earlier about female leaders okay. uh, and, and still does 
to this day and has and has a portfolio of, of, of roles and so forth. Incredibly calm, incredibly inspiring, clear communicator, um, no ego involved. But that didn't detract from a laser-like focus on where the business needed to go and, and revenue growth and so on and so forth. But a real object lesson in bringing a team with you and, and we'll hear about great leaders how you know people would you know they, they would go over the the trenches you know they would die for them and and you know whether that literally is true i'm not sure but i know that sentiment you know i, I felt that where you know it, it it inspired you to want to go into work yeah to want yeah. to be in meetings with her or whatever to feel that um you know at, at, at first hand and that that calm energy if mm-hmm. uh, if you like which wasn't ranting and raving and shouting and you know gesticulating and any of these sorts of things and it really proved that the you know the that for me is the far more effective uh way of leading mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fantastic and in, in terms of leadership is there anything else that you would share with the people that are listening to this uh, podcast with regards to safe prem and what's next obviously you said you were going through your um first round of funding what's mm. next for safe prem what's what's on the cards over the next six to 12 months thank you yes yeah, so, so the plan is that we um uh, we raise the first round of funding we we know exactly where that money will be spent and on what and, and when and how and, and so forth and so that would if we were sat here in 12 months time then we would be um, looking at a million pounds turnover company, mm-hmm. um, we would have a staff of uh, probably around six people. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, most, if not all, of the the audience of this would have heard of us. Um, yeah. You know, by other means, um, we'll be contributing uh, healthily to those charities that I, that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, and we would be helping an awful lot of retail and hospitality businesses. Um, and, and also, um, we, we see ourselves, I mentioned earlier that we see ourselves as a bit of a movement. We, we see ourselves as being a, a bit of a, a lobby movement. Um, and um, so we would expect that we would be a voice um, in the, the industries um, about getting business back because I've, I've talked throughout this podcast primarily about retail and hospitality because that's where we're focusing initially. But um, we, we also have talks about with um, conference centres, with airports. Um, it could extend to education, to health, to all sorts of, um, uh, of areas. Um, and I think that the it, it's difficult, isn't it, to look forward even – three weeks, let alone three months and let alone 12 months, because we we don't really know quite uh, what's going to be happening. But uh, we feel that, uh, as I think I said earlier, attitudes will continue to to change, but you'll get to a point where businesses, in order to attract people back, are going to have to uh, do something different. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's when I think there'll be a tipping point. It Mm -hmm. could be through awareness or legislation or a combination of both yeah where we really we you know we're, we're we're laying the foundations at the moment and we we believe that um probably in the next three to six months there will be that that kind of light bulb moment 
yeah. whereby people realise, oh, we've actually got to do something about this. Otherwise, our business is not going to be sustainable. Okay. And so we need to put some of these measures in, in, in place. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting um, time. We're, we're looking at um, uh, fairly healthy growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Brilliant. Well, well I wish you the best of luck with it, and I'll uh, watch this Thank space, you. as they say. Thank you.